Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. You ever notice how much easier it is to start something than it is to finish something? <laughs> like, uh, it's so much easier to fill your schedule than it is to fulfill your schedule, right? It's like, it's a lot easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. It's a lot easier to make a commitment than it is to keep a commitment. Um, I remember years ago, um, I had uh, decided that I was going to, I was going to start working out again and uh, try to get back into shape. And so I don't know what your routine is every time you come up with this idea of like, I'm going to get back into shape again. Um, but mine always involves like buying new clothes because you got to look good in the gym. Can I get an amen from anybody? Like, uh, my belly may be sticking out, but I got to feel like I look good. And, and so I went through the whole like thing. I ordered some new clothes, got all ready for the gym, got my gym membership all squared away. And then, and then I went for the first day to work out. Now, I don't know your like routine, but typically I get the gym membership with the anticipation that I'm starting like the next day, but usually it takes me like a month to work up the, 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 the courage to step into the gym. But anyway, I step into the gym and um, I made this like massive mistake. Um, I got into the gym and I decided I was going to do the same workout that I used to do in college. And I was many years re removed from college. And uh, so I get in there and I'm just like working out like crazy and, and uh, feeling good about myself. And I, and I walk out and I get cleaned up and I head to, to work. And I noticed something kind of unusual happening throughout the day. It was like my arms started the day like this, and then my arms started to get shorter. And as the hours went by, my arms got shorter and shorter and shorter. And then I realized I overdid it. I realized I had worked so hard that like my arms and my biceps were starting to cramp. And I was like walking around everywhere like this. And for a week, I would have to get on my knees on the side of the bed and put my elbows up on the bed and Andrea would grab my hands and she would, she would start to like stretch them out to try to stretch out my biceps because I had worked them out so hard. And for a week, folks, a week, I'm walking around like this and everybody's thinking like, what's he all about? What's he doing? Like, you know, it's just, uh, I learned a lesson uh, that day that it's way easier to start something than it is to finish something. And I think about life and I think about this journey that all of us are on. And I kind of think of it as kind of like a marathon, right? Like everybody, like the whole group is at the starting line and we're ready to, to take off and everybody takes off at the same time. Um, but then things happen, right? And our body begins to respond differently to the run. It begins to respond differently to um, the, the hardness of, of the ground that we're, we're running on. And our, our body begins to, to make some changes, some, do some different things. And all of a sudden, there becomes the separation between runners. That by the time that you get to the finish line, there's, there's in some cases hundreds of yards, if not miles of a gap between one person and another one. And if that looks a lot like life, if we all kind of start at the starting line together, but over time, 
things happen in our life and our relationship with God and our family and all these things that create this separation, then, then why do we think that happens? Like, why can we have all this motivation and all this desire to run a hard race, but it feels like everybody that we took off with, that we started with, is way further down the road than we are? I think, I think the reason why is because in life, in life, we all experience the S word, right? Don't, hey, 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 what are you doing? This is church. Like, why are you even thinking going down that road? We all experience setbacks, folks. Setbacks. Jeez, get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> setbacks. We all experience setbacks. And guess what? In the midst of those setbacks, in the midst of things that we face in our life that kind of throw us off our rhythm, you and I become a candidate of one of Satan's greatest weapons, and that weapon is discouragement. And so what causes that in our life? What causes us to grow discouraged? And how do we keep discouragement from disrupting God's plan for our life? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Hey, we're in week three of our series called All the Things, where we're taking a look at the one thing that really changes everything in our life. And back in week one, we kicked off the, the series around what has become our theme verse found in Matthew chapter six, verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, seek first his will for our life and, and his will for the world and kind of do it his way, Right? Not our way, but his way. And when we live a life that way, that Jesus has promised is that all these things that we get consumed and wrapped up with, that, that he will add those things unto us. Today, if you're taking notes, I've entitled today's message, How to Turn Setbacks into Comebacks. How to Turn Setbacks into Comebacks. Why don't you turn to two people around you, say, I'm making a comeback. I'm making a comeback, making a comeback. Hey, we're going to head to the book of Haggai here in just a moment, but um, say this prayer with me out loud as we prepare our hearts. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you a little bit of backstory for those that might uh, be here today for the first time, or maybe you're here last week and you slept a few times and you've kind of forgotten the backstory of the book of Haggai. Well, King Solomon was the king during that time, the king of Israel, and he built the most beautiful temple. We got a, a picture of, of what would be a, a, a replica of what that temple would look like. This temple took King Solomon seven years to build and was so expensive that theologians in that time estimate that it would cost about $3 billion to build if they were going to build that today. This place was so magnificent in size and splendor and the materials that they used to build it that people from all over the world would travel to be able to see it and to be able to worship in it. 
And then what ends up happening is Solomon, King Solomon dies, and the people began to turn away from God. They began to start pursuing all of the things instead of God himself, and God ended up having enough. Like he had given them another chance and another chance and another chance, and then God finally got to the point where he'd had enough. And he allowed a series of events to begin to take place in their life in order to get their focus off of themselves and back onto him. Some of those events were the people were, were um, conquered by Babylon and they experienced 70 years of captivity. During that time, their temple, this temple that King Solomon built, this magnificent temple was destroyed. And God ended up giving them yet another chance. How many are thankful for another chance, the grace of God in our lives? And so after 70 years of captivity, God then frees them and he sends them back to their homeland to rebuild the temple. Now the people go back and they build the the foundation of the temple. They, they, They construct the altar and get that done. And then all of a sudden, things get hard. And they do what many of us do, including myself, in seasons of difficulty. They quit putting God first. They started pursuing all of the things in their life. The Bible says that they began to focus on themselves. It it specifically says, we talked about this uh, last week, that they specifically focused on building their own luxurious houses is the way that chapter one said it. Well, God calls them out for it. We hit this last week and, and they repent, right? They repent and they start working and building the temple again. And, and, and it sounds great and it sounds like, man, that'd be a perfect bow to put on the story. What a great, great ending that is. And then we jump to our text today And we discovered that they had repented. They went back to work, but they went back to work for one month, one month. And then things started happening different than the way that they hoped that they would happen. And what ends up happening? They grow discouraged and they quit again. And so today I wanna take a look at that passage of scripture. And I believe the Lord wants to, to show us something today. I think he wants to help us see something that can help us in our own seasons of discouragement to not get so down, so defeated that we quit. If you got your Bible, look with me in Haggai chapter two, Haggai chapter two, and uh, starting in verse one, it says, then on October 17 of the same year, The Lord sent, look at this, another message, another message. I've had plenty of another messages in my own life. Unfortunately, I am hardheaded and God knows he has to send a lot of another messages into my life. He sends another message through the prophet Haggai. And look at this message in verse three. He says, does anyone remember This house, this temple in its former splendor. And then look at, look what he says here. How in comparison does it look to you 
now that it must seem like nothing at all. Now we're gonna hit that it must seem like nothing at all next week, so make sure you're here for that. But I want you to, I want you to imagine this moment as you have all of these workers standing around the temple, right? They're standing on rubble, they're standing on crushed stones, they're standing in an area that used to be a magnificent temple that everybody would travel from all over the world to come and see. They used amazing, valuable gold and silver and all these things to build this temple. And these people are reminiscing. But what's unique about their story is they're not reminiscing from their own experience because they were in captivity for 70 years. So the majority of people that are standing around this busted up temple that they're trying to rebuild are not people that saw it with their own eyes. It's a bunch of people that heard the story from other people with their own ears. And I don't know, I don't know how you are, like, like um, I think especially us guys, we have a tendency to exaggerate a little bit. Like, I'm not a fisherman, um, but um, I like to play golf, and so um, I'll, I'll hit a good shot, and uh, maybe it's a part three or something, and I'll hit it, like, maybe realistically, like, maybe five feet from the hole, you know, and then I get up to the green, and I got to take a picture, but I got to take a picture from the perspective that makes Andrea think it was, like, six inches from the hole, right? We just have a tendency, like, if you like to fish, you have a tendency of, like, taking that picture in such a way to where that, that fish kind of gets bigger and bigger. We just have a tendency to exaggerate. And I just, I just kind of imagine this moment of all of these Israelites standing in front of the temple and all they, had, all they know is what they had heard. For 70 years, the ones that were around when King Solomon built the temple were telling stories about what, what things used to be, right? How it used to be and how magnificent the temple used to be and now all of these people are standing before all of this rubble and they're trying to rebuild this temple through the lens of what other people have told them. And their heart, their heart just begins to, to sink because they, they look around at all of their efforts and what they're doing and the resources that they have and their heart just sinks because they recognize they don't have the manpower, they don't have the money to do it the way that Solomon did it. Because in that moment, they began to struggle with this, this temptation of comparison, where they began to look at their temple in comparison to the temple that was there before, what they see with their very eyes compared to the stories that they had heard from their parents and from their grandparents and their relatives. And they get discouraged and they quit. I don't know what your journey is like and I don't know the things that, that you have faced. I don't know the things that you're facing right now. But have you ever been in a situation where you have become discouraged because you've compared yourself or your situation with those of others? You've allowed yourself in 
the hurt and the pain and the discouragement to step back and to look at everybody else in your life from a distance and, and to wonder like, why, why do they get it so good? Like, why do I have to walk through this? Like, I've, I feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to, God, but it's like, like I keep walking through this and, and, and Susie over here, like, I, I know they're not living right and they never have any problems in their life. Like, why, why me? And we begin to, we begin to compare. We, be, we compare marriages. We compare businesses or careers. We, we compare the way that we parent versus the way somebody else parents. We compare our popularity to the popularity of those around us. We compare our financial position. We compare our pain. Like I've learned through the years, not because I was smart enough to figure it out on my own, but I learned through the years that comparison is a race that nobody wins. That it's a race that nobody wins. And the more that we compare ourselves with others and our pain and discouragement with others, the less joy and fulfillment we experience in our life. Because comparison has a tendency to remove the joy from the journey. It has a tendency to remove the joy from the journey. So what does God want us to see in the story? What is he trying to help us identify so that in the seasons of discouragement, we won't allow that to dictate our life? I think what he wants us to see is found in verse four. And friend, I can't wait to show you what I discovered this week in verse four. Look at with me. It says, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. Notice he's speaking this as they stand in front of the rubble, looking at the temple in their mind, comparing it to what it was before, to what it is now. And God's like, be strong. Be strong, and he says, and now get to work. Now that hit me a little, that hit me a little weird this week because I don't know how that sounds to you, but to me it sounds like, you know what, Ryan, get over it. Like try, try harder. Like you're not trying hard enough. Like, Ryan, you think you're doing enough? Like do more. Like be strong, do more. That's not quite what this word strong means. See, the word strong in the Hebrew, the first part of it means to prevail against. Again, when you look at that definition, you think prevail against. That means I'm going to experience difficulty in my life and I've got to try harder. I'm going to get discouraged from painful seasons and things that I had nothing to do with that I am now having to live through. And I've got to do more, right? Or I've got to get over it. But, but I went down the rabbit hole of this word this week in the Hebrew language. 
And I found something that I think is a hidden gem in this word that changes everything. You see, this word in the original Hebrew, the word strong, and I, I'm going to butcher the way I say it, but Chazak is my like country, like can't pronounce words way of saying this word. And this word, this word specifically in the Hebrew language implies that it's to be strong, but watch this in the definition, put it up on the screen. It's to prevail against, but look at the last part, because someone came alongside you to make you strong when you feel weak. It has nothing to do with try harder, do more, get over it. It has everything to do with, okay, I'm going to lock my eyes into what, God, what is your purpose for my life? But I'm going to understand that as I lean into that, that I'm going to prevail against, not because I have the own, my own strength or ability to do it, not because I'm so disciplined that I never make a mistake, not because I have enough emotional energy to carry the burden that I'm walking through right now. God looks at them and he says, be strong three times and to get back to work. Why? Because he promises that he will come alongside and be with us. The same word was used with Joshua in the Old Testament, that the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years and it was up to Joshua to lead them into the promised land. He'd have to claim the land from its current inhabitants. He'd have to lead and fight battles. He'd have to provide spiritual leadership to about a million people. Could you imagine the emotional energy involved in being the pastor of a million people? And the stress and the weight of that responsibility had Joshua feeling discouraged and overwhelmed. And then we see in Joshua 1.9 that God says, this is my command, and there's that word again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Look at this. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That right there in that verse, you can see the command is to be strong, to be courageous, to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, but it has nothing to do with our own ability to do it on our own. But the promise is, is you take the step and I will be there with you when you take the step. Like you wake up another day when the worst has come against you and you put me first again, despite everything that you've walked through. And the promise of God is that I will come alongside of you and bring strength to you in the midst of your situation in moments of weakness. It reminds me of Psalm 23 that, that David says, even though I walk through the valley. Like he doesn't say if we're going to, 
but he's determined. Like, even though I walk through the valley, who's going to be with me? God is going to be with me. What an amazing promise that you and I have this morning. What God is saying to the people in Haggai's day and what he's said all the way back to in Joshua's day and what he's saying to you and me today. He's not telling us to be strong, to try harder, to do more, or just suck it up and get over it. That's not what God is saying to us today. He's saying to us what this last part of verse four says. Be strong. Why? Because I am with you. Because I am with you. I'm going to come alongside of you and I'm going I'm to make you strong when you feel weak. In other words, what through the lens of these people with the, the rubble rebuilding the temple, He's saying when your marriage doesn't look like it's going to make it, he's saying keep laying stones. Like keep building. And when you don't know how you're going to pay the bill at the end of the month, he says keep laying stones. Like keep putting me first. Keep building the temple. Keep focusing on what I've called you to. That when you failed that class that you needed to graduate, like keep laying stones. Why? Because I am with you. Because I am with you. Hey, turn to your neighbor, tell him, keep laying stones. Keep laying stones. Friends, you may be here today you may find yourself in this season of discouragement and heaviness. And maybe for you, you feel like you've tried harder and you've done more. And at the other end of that, it's been empty. And maybe that's because you thought you could do it on your own. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put first in your life his will and do it his way. And all these things will be added unto you. Our natural tendency is to go to that verse and to think about all the things that with the frills that we want in life, the, the money and the, the cars and the boats and the houses and all that kind of stuff. But, but I think more of what Jesus is saying here is that he promised us in the New Testament that we were gonna experience difficulty, that we were gonna go through challenge in life. That if any of us ever think that, that the life that we live here is supposed to be a life without difficulty, without disappointment, without tragedy, then we've got the wrong perspective of what being a Christ follower is all about. We live in a fallen world and God has given all of us a choice. And what God is saying in this moment is when it feels like you can't go on, when it feels like the tragedy, 
when it feels like the disappointment is so heavy that you can't carry it another step, God says, take a step and I will come alongside of you where you are weak and I will give you strength to get through the valley. And I think that's what we see the Apostle Paul say to us in one of his seasons of difficulty in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to close with this passage of scripture because I think he does such a fantastic job of helping us get perspective the things that we walk through in life. He says this, that I was given the gift of a handicap. <laughs> okay, Paul, let's not go over the top here. The gift of a handicap. Look what it says, to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. He says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. Has anybody been through a season or a challenge in their life where Satan has done his best to get you down, Paul says what he in fact did is he pushed me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty, acting like I got it all together. He said at first, I didn't think of it as a gift. And I begged God to remove it. I thought about my own life and I thought about how many times do I get into the presence of the Lord and I spend all that time asking him to remove all the difficulty in my life. And maybe his desire is to show us a dimension of his grace, of his mercy, of his power in the midst of our tragedy rather than always coming to the rescue to keep us away from the tragedy. He says, three times I did that. Three times he begged God to just take it away. And then he told me, and my grace is enough. That Paul, my grace is enough, that it's all that you need. That at the end of the day, all the things that you think is gonna release the pressure and take away the pain, God says, my grace is all that you need. My strength, that it comes into its own in your weakness. I mean, think about that statement for a second. that what he's saying here is that there is a dimension of God's power and his strength that you and I only experience in our times of weakness. And friend, I think, I think this is a challenge for our generation because we have become a people that are so 
desiring of comfort in our relationship with God. And anytime things don't go the way that we hoped that they would go or thought that we would go, we get frustrated, we get discouraged, we begin to think that God's not real, that he has no power. And we fail to realize that it's in moments of faith where we step into the unknown and trusting God that he reveals his strength. And friend, what what would our lives look like if from the, the point now to the time that the Lord desires to take us home, that we fail to really be able to experience all of who God is because we designed our life in such a way to only experience comfort. We don't hear a whole lot of testimonies nowadays about these amazing miracles of what God does. It's not because God's not powerful enough to do it. It's because you and I don't live a life full of faith enough to give him an opportunity. Paul tells us, he tells us that once I understood, once I heard that, once I understood that that his strength comes into its own, like we, we, it manifests, we fully see it in the midst of our weakness. He says, I was glad to let it happen. He said, I quit focusing on the handicap and I began to appreciate the gift. He says, it was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. And now I take limitations in stride. And with good cheer, that these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse and accidents and opposition and bad breaks or whatever it is that you're walking through today, insert it into that part of the text. Paul says, what I've learned to do in those moments (laughs) is to just let Christ take over. Because friend, what Paul's learned and what I've learned and many of you have learned is that the weaker we get, the stronger we become. Not because of us, but because Christ in us. Every head bowed and eye closed. Friend, I don't know. I don't know the weight that you carried when you walked through these doors today. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord, and I don't know. Maybe you've been discouraged and you've quit. Or maybe you're here today and 
this was the last resort for you. You were gonna give God one more opportunity to reveal himself to you. And friend, if that's you, this is it. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here today and you're walking through a difficult situation, you've been wrestling with discouragement, right there in your seat, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but right there, I just want you to slip up your hand for just a moment. For just a moment, slip it up, yeah. I want to pray for you today. Father, I lift up all of my friends here in the service, those that are watching online or hearing, listening on the podcast this week or that's walking through a difficult season today. That's getting to a point of discouragement and heaviness that they don't know what step to take or where to go. Father, I pray right now that the comfort of your Holy Spirit would surround them. Lord, your promise in your word says that you will give us peace that passes all understanding, which means I don't understand how I can have peace in this moment, but I've got it. And Lord, I pray that God, you would surround them right now. That Lord, your promise of of being strong, your promise of getting back to work, Lord, I pray that they would recognize and understand it's not about their efforts, it's not about their abilities, it's not about them doing more. But Lord, right now in this moment, give them the courage to step out of the shadows, to take a step back towards you, to put you first in their life again. And Father, we know because it is impossible for you to lie, we know that you're gonna provide a strength to them, that you're gonna come alongside in their weakness and give them strength, not to circumvent the valley, but to walk through the valley. Father, we're gonna give you all the praise and all the glory for it. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe there's somebody here today You have allowed difficulty. You've allowed tragedy to sow a seed of discouragement in your heart that has blossomed into a lack of belief or pulling away from God. And I believe that this is a God-appointed moment for your life. The Holy Spirit in this moment, as you feel even your insides, like your heart beginning to race because you recognize that this moment is for you, that the Holy Spirit surrounds you in this moment and is inviting you back into a right relationship with him. If that's you today, I want to lead you in that prayer with every head bowed and eye closed right there where you're seated. I want you to slip up your hand and say, God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready to come back to you. I'm ready to put you first in my life. Yeah. If you raised your hand today and 
Church family with me, repeat this prayer with me. Father, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me for living life my way. Come into my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, would you give it up for all of those that prayed today? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.